Hi guys, and welcome back to There, I Read It, where I am going over the Harry Potter books chapter by chapter for the first time ever in my life. This time I'm in chapter three, The Burrows of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And I have to say that this chapter was so surprisingly delightful that I'm kind of mad that it got cut from the movie. But here we have Ron, Fred, and George coming to rescue Harry and then taking him to their house. So let me jump right into my notes. I have quite a few of them for this chapter. It was so much fun. I think I've found my favorite chapter so far. So in my notes, like I said, it is Ron, Fred, and George in the flying car. If you've seen the movie, it's just Ron that shows up and then they go straight to Hogwarts. But in the book, which does make more sense really, Ron has his mischievous brothers get in on it and sort of helps bring Harry. And essentially Ron decided to show up because he hadn't heard from Harry all summer, even though he's been writing him like nonstop. He said he invited him to his house 12 times and never got a response. So Ron was a little bit hurt about that, but then Ron heard about Harry's warning from the ministry for using unsanctioned magic as I guess a minor is the issue here. I believe that's what they said in the last chapter. Let me see. Uh, yeah, my notes last chapter just said his letter was from the improper use of magic office. But anyways, Ron hears about this really quickly because it turns out that his dad, Arthur Weasley, actually works for the Ministry of Magic. And Ron's like, Harry, you know better than to use magic like that. And Harry's like, it's not me, but hey, look who's talking, Mr. Flying Car. And Ron goes, actually kind of cleverly, that a flying car doesn't count because one, he just borrowed it, it's not his, and two, he's not the one that enchanted it, so they can't really get him for using magic improperly when it's not his magic in use. Which actually you can see the Fred and George turning in Ron's gears there. It's kind of great. Although I'm not really sure that the Ministry would care who enchanted the car if it was caught out like that. But Fred is actually the one driving the car, which again makes sense because he's old enough to drive and Ron would not be. And so they rip the bars off of Harry's windows and he's like, but wait, I don't have my trunk or my robes or my wand or any of my magical stuff. The Dursleys locked it all in the cupboard under the stairs. Which is actually a curious little reference there because considering that Harry originally was the one that lived in the cupboard under the stairs, it's almost like the de facto place that the Dursleys try to hide magic. You know, if you think about it in terms of a cupboard under the stairs is basically a closet, they're forcing something into the closet because they want to not let anybody else know it exists. And you know, it's not for the sake of, well, we don't want the people using the magic to get hurt or people who see it to get scared. It's just sort of their own pure, we don't agree with this, so we're gonna make you shove away who you are type of thing. But Fred and George are like, no problem, bro, we gotcha. They jump into Harry's room, they pick the lock without using magic. So I'm really starting to think that Fred and George Weasley are the smartest wizards that have ever wizarded. They said at the end of the first book that so many wizards can't use logic at all, but they're actually really smart, and that's how they're able to do and get away with so many things. Things. So the twins get the trunk, they get the car all loaded up, and Uncle Vernon can be heard like coughing a few times, so he's not going to be as sound asleep as the rest of the family. Nevertheless, though, everything gets loaded, Harry gets into the car, they're about to take off, and then there's this screech! And I thought for sure it was going to be like Petunia or Dudley that just happened to wander by and see Harry's door open with everything going crazy. But no, it was actually poor Hedwig locked up in her cage all summer just going like, please don't forget me, don't leave me here, no! 
And of course, Hedwig screaming out is what wakes Uncle Vernon up all the way. He's out of his rim sleep kind of mode, and now he's definitely convinced that something's not right. So Uncle Vernon comes over to Harry's room and pounds on the door to tell him, you know, keep that stupid bird quiet. But because the door is not sealed shut anymore, it just bursts open. And he's just staring there like, what the what? As a flying car is hovering right outside the bedroom window. And they describe him as a charging, raging bull just going after Harry. And he, he gets him and grabs his leg and he's not going to let him go. And he's calling out for the other Dursleys to help. Which I don't know why he would be that dedicated to keeping Harry put other than you know a narcissistic control kind of issue but by the time I see magic users and flying cars I don't see myself challenging you anymore it's like all right I did my best go get out of here I'm done with you but because the Weasleys are there to help they help Harry get free he gets Hedwig in the car and everything and they take off never to return to the Dursley house again actually no but Harry does call back like see you next summer which that does not make sense to me at all it feels like that type of escape would be the very last straw for the Dursleys and they would never come get Harry or let him back in their house again. Now I know from seeing the movies and granted most of them I haven't really seen since they were new in the theaters but I know he goes back there what seems to be every single year during summer break so I'm really confused by this and I have heard in the comments that you know just keep reading there's going to be some gratification and some explanation and it's, it's going to make more sense later but at this time from this standpoint they don't even allude to keeping Harry for any particular reason. So it is really strange to look at it in chapter three of book two and be like, oh, how is Harry ever going to go home after this? Or for that matter, why would he want to? They went so far off their rocker to lock him down like he was a serial killer. Why would Harry ever choose to go back to his house when he had options like staying with Hermione or Ron? I don't get it. I don't get it. Now the boys are all in their flying car ride going halfway across the country and Harry starts explaining what had happened before with Dobby and how Dobby was actually the one that used the charm that got Harry in trouble with the ministry. But it turns out, according to Fred and George, that house elves can only use their powers with a master's permission. So that means Dobby really couldn't have acted on his own and somebody had to have sent him to tell Harry not to come to Hogwarts and to mess with his mail and everything else that Dobby did appropriately. So Dobby, for all intents and purposes, is our blameless victim and the consensus right now from the boys seems to be that it's some kind of mean-spirited prank from Malfoy. It also turns out that house elves only belong to rich old wizard families who live in like castles and stuff. And Draco's father, Lucius Malfoy, used to be a supporter of Voldemort and they suspect that he was in his inner circle. But then when Voldemort disappeared, he kind of went, I never meant any of it. I must have been enchanted or hexed or I forget the exact word that they would use for that to control his brain. And then Ron explains how he's been trying to get a hold of Harry all summer and that's why he got worried. And his family's owl is called Errol. E-R-R-O-L. I might be pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> like it would be the first time. But Errol is so ancient that Ron just thought, well, maybe he was dropping the letters or collapsing on the job and they just weren't getting to Harry. And so then Ron tried to borrow his brother Percy's new owl, which he got for making Prefect, and his name is Hermes but Percy said no you're not taking my owl and he's been doing some very mysterious letter writing all summer that has made his whole family kind of huh 
what's going on now? But nobody knows the answer to what's going on yet. It's just alluded to at this point. But yeah, between the letters never getting to Harry and then hearing about the ministry warning, Ron was like, something's really wrong. I got to go save him. So good for you, Ron. I didn't really care for you in the first book, but you're growing on me, bro. And since they sprung Harry from his room in the middle of the night, their plan is to park the flying car back in the garage before morning. And then that way, nobody ever has to know that they were gone. And they'll just be like, look who showed up last night. You know, we don't know how he got here. Hooray, it's Harry. And because the Weasleys absolutely adore Harry, they thought that that would smooth everything over and their mother, you know, wouldn't ask any more questions. However, she was waiting outside as soon as they touched down on the ground. And it's funny, I guess Ron's house is called The Burrow. I'm not sure if that's like a subdivision he lives in or if that's just his house specifically. I know in the UK, they tend to name certain houses for a reason. So you'd say, oh, I want to go to Luxor Farm instead of, oh, I want to go to 1242 Luxor Avenue in such and such city. It's a totally different format over there than what we do in America. But when the car gets to the boroughs, Harry sees that the yard is covered in boots, a rusty cauldron, and chickens just all over their yard. And I mean, it kind of makes Ron's family sound like the white trash of wizards. I don't know why they couldn't magic away their trash or if they're using that stuff for experiments or what's going on, but it, it sounded very trailer trashy. And Mrs. Molly Weasley is furious to see those boys come in. To further her white trash motif, she is just standing in the front yard screaming at her kids. And then she just turns to Harry like, oh, hello, sweetie, so good to see you. I'm not mad at you. You didn't ask them to come. Like, I love her so much. She gives me life. Oh, and it is mentioned that Arthur Weasley, which is Ron's dad, if I didn't already clarify that, he works for the Misuse of Muggle Artifacts office with the Ministry of Magic. So that's how he was able to know that Harry got in trouble so quickly. And actually, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were about to go get Harry on Friday for however long away that is, not longer than a week, obviously because they were also getting worried that Ron hadn't heard from him and, you know, living in the muggle world, they, they thought maybe something went wrong, but they weren't really sure what. So they had intentions of going to collect Harry and I really wish that they would have because I am so thirsty to see Arthur and Molly Weasley meet Petunia and Vernon Dursley. I am living for this. I need this in my life. I just want to hear that conversation so badly. But even though Molly is really frustrated with her son, she's still like piling on all this food on their plates. And she says, you guys aren't going to bed. You're going to go denome the garden. Heck yes, wizards are jerks. And gnomes in this universe are described as these ugly little spiky potato things. And you have to like spin them in circles and throw them over the hedge so that they're too disoriented to come back. Otherwise, they just live in your garden and bite you and such. I'm not really sure what else they do besides that. But their garden, even their backyard garden, is described as being in such disarray with weird random plants and weeds everywhere and of course gnome holes for whatever that might look like. But I was actually so excited to read about the denoming because way, way back in like, what, 2002 when this movie came out, I had actually still have this game for the GameCube. And the very first thing that it had you do was grab these gnomes, spin them in a circle and fling them off into the distance. And I had the game and I was so confused when I saw the movie and that had no part in it whatsoever. But now, like 18 years later, it's all coming together. It finally makes sense. 
friends. But after the boys finish denoming the garden, they hear that Arthur's back, so they go in to see their dad, and apparently he worked all night doing nine raids, and all the raids were these normal muggle items that get enchanted by wizards to do different things. He called it muggle baiting. <laughs> which I, I don't know how to take that term. That's an interesting way to put it. But one of the things he described as taking were these enchanted keys that would just shrink away until they became nothing. And Harry's like, what would be the point of that? And it's like, oh, just a mess with the muggles. And then they keep having to get new keys and they try so hard to ignore magic. These poor muggles, I feel so bad for them. They're such good hearted people. <laughs> just, he just gushes about muggle folk and how they do everything they can to ignore magic to make his job easier and it does make sense because if you had a key that shrunk away to nothing you wouldn't think oh it's magically hexed you would think oh I lost my key or somebody stole it but it's just so funny to me that Arthur Weasley is like oh they're trying to help me out at work they're such good people like nobody we just don't know what we don't know so then Ron takes Harry up to see his room they pass by Jenny's room and she's just kind of staring out the crack she's been terribly shy to see Harry I, I I think I see the hint of a little crush budding there like she's she doesn't stop talking about him when he's not there but then she's like horrified to talk to him when he's in front of her so she's kind of adorable and Ron's room is kind of small it is the room right before the attic so he lives right below the ghoul in the attic and his room is pretty much completely orange and in discord but the orange thing is because his favorite Quidditch team is the Chudley Cannons. And that is the end of my notes. Of course, Harry ended the chapter by saying it was the best house he'd ever seen. But I'm not really clear at this point. Maybe they said it and I've just lost track of the timeline. When is school supposed to start for them? It's got to be really soon, I think. But I am really, 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 really hoping for more chapters like this moving forward because even though this was really long and I started to really feel the page count, I just loved everything about the Weasley's house. It was such a whole different perspective of the wizarding world than we've seen before. And just the fact that they're so kind of unapologetically trashy, I guess, for lack of a better word. I know I keep calling them white trash, but I mean it with the utmost love and respect. Like the Weasleys are my kind of folk. I feel like we could hang out and have a good time. But I'd love it if you tell me what you think about this chapter and what you think about the Weasleys in general. Please, no spoilers beyond chapter three. I'm not there yet. But oh, I hope Harry just stays there for the whole rest of the book. I don't even need to go to Hogwarts. I just want to hang out with Arthur and Molly. Let's just sip our wizard's tea and talk about gross little gnomes. That's what it is. That's what I've been missing from this whole book series that I feel like it wasn't quite clicking with me. I didn't quite like it. It's that I'm not 11 or 12 so this is harder for me to relate to at this point. If I had read this in high school I'm sure I'd be all like oh Harry poor Harry oh no but I'm just so kind of bored with how whiny he can be. You know you have a couple kids and you start to get disenchanted about oh we're so abused we didn't get the million dollar stereo we wanted or whatever stupid thing. It all becomes white noise but seeing some wizarding adults like living their lives in action talking about their work what they're doing outside of Hogwarts I, I'm in love with that. I want more of that which is strange because I'm not really into the Fantastic Beasts thing but who knows maybe that'll convert me to one day. Anyways, I want to thank you guys for being here today and we'll see you next time, family members.
Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self. And I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.